0: 94.5 ESPN, Homer, uh, the Hall of Famer is on assignment. I am talking with Jim Boylan. You know him first as scored 14 points in the NCAA championship game when Marquette beat North Carolina. Is that how I should start for all the Marquette and Wisconsin fans statewide about you?
1: I think that that is the perfect way to lead in to uh, to this interview. Love it. Love it.
0: What do you remember about any of the 14 points or what is the first thing that comes to mind? Because that's forever. Um, As I say, you have a ring
1: forever. So I remember the first shot I took came off the screen, caught it. Uh, I don't even think I took a dribble. I think I just uh, came off the screen, rose up, and it just felt good, you know. And so... In in those high pressure moments like that, obviously you're playing for a national championship. There's pressure, there's expectations, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And when that first shot went in, it just uh, let me relax. And then after that, every every time I had the ball, I just felt confident. And uh, so yeah, that uh, that I remember that very first shot, that little elbow jump shot that. Uh, was all net and uh, just gave me the confidence I needed for the rest of the game.
0: How confident were you? How confident was the team going into the game against North Carolina?
1: You know, we had a funny year because we were um, a highly ranked preseason. Um, Got off to a pretty good start. I think we might have been 11-1 or 10-1 or something like that. and then Al announced his retirement at, at, uh, around the holiday season, around Christmas. And, uh, then we had a funky, uh, January and February and, um, and barely, uh, barely got into the tournament. We needed to, we had five road games at the end of the season, which is kind of odd. And we had to win all of them. Uh, we won four. And then at halftime of the fifth game, which was against uh, Michigan and who at the time was number one in the country uh, the bids came out and we got in. Uh, so we were, we, were, we ended up losing that game in a heartbreaker but um, uh, we, are, we kind of kind of found our mojo uh, towards the end of the season playing on the road and winning those games and then you kind of felt like okay let's get into the tournament see what happens. Uh, We played Cincinnati, I believe, in the first round, and we were down at halftime. We come back. We win, and then you start believing that, um, you know, something really, really unique and really good could happen for Al McGuire right now, a Hollywood script, that kind of an ending, and you started, we started as a team, we started to believe that, and we ended up uh, beating Kansas State in a comeback in the last couple minutes of the game. And then by the time we got to the Final Four, we had dodged a couple of bullets, and, and we really believed. Like You know, sometimes, I, this is me personally, I believe, sometimes the game gives something back to you. And I believe that Al gave a lot to the game of basketball, the game of college basketball, and I felt like the game of college basketball was giving something back to Al. So we felt really confident when we got to the Final Four.
0: Talking with Jim Boylan, you're a much better team uh, mate or player than I was, because I can tell you what I've been thinking. When he announces in whenever it was that he's leaving, I'm going, what is wrong with the man? I mean, I know he's crazy. <laughs> Who announces it in the middle of the season? I mean, what? 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 You wait till the year is over. You let us have the year. Are those any yeah. honest thoughts that people had or you had at the time? I, If I'd been on that team, I'd have been mad.
1: But yeah. maybe you weren't. Well, you know, it was my first year with the team because I had transferred from a little school called Assumption College. And it was my first year playing. I had a red shirt, so I sat out the year before when they um, – uh, when they had Earl Tatum and Lloyd Walton and had a really, really good team. Uh, but unfortunately, Indiana went undefeated that year. And um, so it was just kind of a whirlwind, actually. You know, I remember getting the call to come down to a luncheon that something's going on and, and making the announcement. And it was crazy. You know, it was really, uh, you know, it, it created a big distraction for us. And, you um, uh, you know, we had a hard time dealing with it actually, and and like I said, we had a we had a funky uh, January and February. Uh, I think we lost our last three home games, um, including including Bo's senior night and Al's last home game. Oh. We lost those games, so you know it was uh, it was it was a tough thing. Uh, it was a tough thing to handle, but like I said, I we kind of we kind of got our balance back a little bit. Uh, by playing those last five games on the road and, and winning four out of five and, uh, and taking that momentum into the tournament. All right,
0: talk with Jim Boylan, you, I may have said this once before, but when I first learned about the team and I looked at you and they said, he's from Assumption College. In Worcester, Mass? I go, there's no way. They go, what do you mean no way? My uncle, Mike True, was a professor of English at that little dinky school. And the only reason I knew anything about it was because no one knew how to pronounce Worcester except him. Yeah. And and I said, there, there's no way. you got to check. There's no way Jim Boylan played at that school and went from there to uh marquette now maybe assumption yeah. college was better than i thought I, I have to give him credit i know my uncle mm-hmm. didn't even know you had a basketball team so i'm sure you never had him in right. class dr mike true <laughs> no, right you wouldn't remember anyway that's like 100 years away but so i know you were an outstanding high school player how, this is just for me how was assumption college ever a part of your basketball career
1: uh, well, um, it's kind of a, lo- a little bit of a long story, but I'll try to give you the, the quick version. Um, I have an older brother. His name is Michael. And uh, Michael uh, went to Assumption College. And Michael is exactly four years older than me. So when I was a freshman in high school, he was a freshman in college. And um, so I used to go up on the weekends to visit my brother from New Jersey. I would drive up with uh, his girlfriend and at the time who is now his wife of some fifty years or so, um, and so I would go up and spend time at, at Assumption, and uh, uh, I, I I got to know the coach really well. I uh, went to a lot of summer basketball camps with over the over my high school years with that uh, coach. His name was Joe O'Brien. He ended up being the executive director of the Basketball Hall of Fame for about twenty five years. was a, was a fabulous coach. And uh, right around the time I was deciding where to go, and I had visited Duke. I'm not. Excuse me. I had visited uh, Kentucky and Virginia and all the you know the big name schools, Notre Dame and everybody. My mom got really sick uh, on her deathbed, and uh, she survived. She was fine, but it was a, it was a tough time, and I was kind of uh, uh, on my own and didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go. And I, I leaned on uh, Joe O'Brien, and uh, so I said, "You know what? I I love Assumption. I love the people up there. I love the coach. I love the program. Powerhouse Division II program. Top wow. Top, uh, I want to
0: apologize to my Brian. uncle. Yeah, uh, he's no longer alive, but I never gave them any credit for being. <laughs> so I'm glad you set me straight. Well, <clears throat> that's a, that's an incredible story, and explains how yeah. you ended yeah. up uh, going to Marquette. Because it had not been for your mom, you would have. Probably never been at Marquette. You would have been somewhere else yeah. just as big.
1: And and the crazy thing is I went to Joe O'Brien after two years, and I said, Coach, I want to transfer. He goes, all right, where do you want to go? I said, I want to go to North Carolina. And uh, he said, okay, I'll call Dean Smith. He called Dean Smith. He said, you know what, in the meantime, let's put together a list of some schools. He said, and I want you to include Marquette, because I know that uh, Coach McGuire really likes to take transfers, or he's uh, you know open to it. And so Dean was interested. Uh, We had a conversation, and eventually he said, you know, Jim, I tell my guys I don't take transfers, so I just can't break that rule. He said, but, you know, there's another guy I know who loves transfers, and that's Coach McGuire. So I had two coaches tell me I should go look at Marquette. And so I did, and boom, there you go. And uh, I ended up at Marquette, and and the the irony of it is pretty obvious that we played North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. So I figured my destiny was to be in that game, some way, somehow. Whether I was on North Carolina's team or if I was playing for Marquette, so.
0: and so I would assume at some point in the in that tournament, you're going like, it's just it's going to be North Carolina. I know it's going to be North Carolina.
1: Yeah, and yeah, you know the funny thing. I'll tell you a funny story. Year, uh, several uh, years later, 1988, I think it was. I was uh, with Al. We were at uh, the Final Four in Kansas, in Kansas City. And we were walking through the tunnel to come out to the court, and it was just Al and I walking, and it was a a single individual walking in the opposite direction coming towards us. And who is it? But Dean Smith. So we stop. Al says hello. I say hello. And Dean Smith says to me, you know, that game you played that night in Atlanta was the greatest game you ever played in your entire life. And I looked I looked him dead in the eye, and I said, Coach, I thought that's when you were supposed to play the best game of your life. And Al and I just turned and walked away. It was a cordial. It wasn't a nasty conversation. It was a cordial conversation. But as we walked away, Al just kind of elbowed me in the ribs and goes, nice one. That is
0: that is fantastic. That was
1: a great – All right, so that's yeah, the Jim that Boylan
0: fun. on the national championship team. And now we're going to break, and then part two will be Jim Boylan, who I think you're like the Forrest Gump of basketball. I think anybody okay. of any significance in the history of basketball, you have a connection. I'll explain next.
1: Peace out. Peace town.
0: Ninety-four-five ESPN, round two with Jim Boyle. All right, yeah, he's a big shot, and he was on the national championship team. But that's where it begins. It doesn't end. So let me see first. You're at you're at Michigan State as a coach for Judd Heathcote. Scott Skiles on right. the team there.
1: What, what, give us a let's start at Michigan State. Well, when I got to Michigan State, Scott had just graduated, but uh, Tom Izzo was an assist. Tom, Tom and I were assistant coaches together, Tom Izzo. And uh, Tom Crane, who uh, eventually would become an assistant at Marquette, uh, excuse me, assistant at uh, Michigan State, a couple of years later, he's kind of hanging around the program because he's working at uh, I can't remember what school he worked at, Division three school, maybe Alma or something like that. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's uh, so I started there. That was my beginning of my coaching career. Um, and though actually I coached in Europe for four years before that, but, uh, beginning of my coaching career in the United States. All
0: right. So Judd Heathcote, uh, I don't know how you coach or how you determine how you coach, but our, our, our thought of him was, was a very good coach, but a uh, pretty intense and, and could go to the point of being crazy. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what's it appropriate? Uh, cause again, he becomes famous, uh, winning the national title with, uh, with Magic Johnson and and the rest is history. Right.
1: But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Judd was um, an underrated basketball coach. Uh, he, uh, if you look at Judd's um, uh, tree of players, he had quite a few guys who made it um, uh, in the NBA, and and so he was kind of a he was kind of a pro coach in that sense. He trained guys. Uh, be able to adapt to the pro game. Uh, he had Michael Ray Richardson at Montana, um, obviously Mavie Johnson and, and Scott Skiles and guys like that because uh, Judd believed in um, in that pro game where there was a lot of you know one on one competition. There was a lot of pick and roll action in, in Judd's offense and. Um, you know, so he was. Um, I I think Judd was a little bit ahead of his time as uh, as far as college game goes, uh, and and so a lot of his guys have success uh, at the next level. And the other thing about Judd, uh and those of you who probably don't know, the funniest coach of all time. He was a stand-up comic. Basically, he could. You know, he when we would go to luncheons and uh, uh, tournaments and things like that we went to a tournament one time at the University of Arizona with Mike Krzyzewski, uh Lou Olson and uh, the coach from the University of Florida I can't think of his name right now and she Norm just, Sloan maybe, said yeah, maybe. No, Yes, North Florida exactly and Sussky said to the directors of the place I'll come, I'll play, I'll do, I'm going to go to dinner, I will speak at the dinner just like all the other coaches do, but I will not speak after Judd coach <laughs> I must speak before him. I'm not going to be embarrassed by speaking after him because the guy is, it was uncanny how funny he was. So, anyway, that's another part of Wow, this.
0: that is good. All right, True. now, I, I, yep. I lost track of everything you can tell me where, but the next thing I know, uh, you're an interim coach with the Chicago Bulls after Michael mm-hmm. Jordan had left, which had to be the worst job mm-hmm. in the world, it's like following Mike Shostevsky. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I know you coached other places, but um, I mean, is that somewhat accurate? I, mean, I can get to asking you, what do you? You're in the, you're in the Hall of Fame of interim coaches. You did it. You've done it twice. Well,
1: yeah, I've done. I did it twice, and uh, you know, it's not a, It's not. A, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like. Uh, tell someone hey yeah go try that out try, go try being an interim um it's not the greatest gig in the world but um it's an opportunity to you know to um uh to see what you can do and first time I did it was in Chicago and we struck you know we you know you get off to a pretty good start we were like I don't know six and two something like that after the first eight games and uh but then you know you you you've replaced a coach for a reason because the team isn't very good or is not performing well and uh you know so a lot of the bad habits rolled back in and a lot of the uh problems uh the team rolled back in so being an interim is uh it's not easy but uh, you know I did I did it with the bucks and uh with the bucks we made the playoffs which was the goal all along and um so yeah, so we, we didn't. Uh, they didn't want to continue on with me. They wanted to go in a different direction, and and uh, uh, so it is what it is. You know, being an interim is not uh, is, is not uh, something a coach should aspire to.
0: <laughs> <All> right, I'll quote <laughs> you cares. on that. Well, no, and then Jordan's <laughs> been gone for a number, of years, but but am I correct in saying it? Just it just there's no way you're going to have an, a a team like he did or. Do people, am I making too much of that, or do you just live with that legacy and know that you're never going to do anything as great as what they did, but you still do the best you can, or is that not even a factor?
1: Well, you know, I'll I'll give you another example of that. Uh, John Wooden. You know, when John Wooden was at UCLA, people don't realize he went almost 20 years but not really having great teams, but it was back in an era where they didn't fire the coach if the team wasn't that great. You know, they just kind of, you know, you did your job and you you graduated your players and you reduced it. You know, you kind of kept the job. Now, you know, it's more of a pressure cooker now. But then eventually he comes and and he does what John Wooden does, which is, you know, win uh, eleven NCAA championships in uh, you know thirteen years or whatever it was, and uh, and then he retires and it's very difficult to replace those people. And it's just the same. It's the same thing with you know a guy like Michael Jordan who. You know, I think is you know the best player in the who's ever played the game, as far as the guys that I have seen, and I've coached LeBron, and LeBron's an extremely close second in my book. And then you got guys like Kobe that you can look at from a distance, um, as I did. Um, and it's you know it's it's tough. You can't replace those guys. They're legends. They're you know they just you know they just their imprint is so deep into the team. Um, and the, the accomplishments that Michael had in Chicago, even though it was years that I, I left, I think he left in '99 or something like that. And I came in there around 2005. There was still the hangover, still the hangover from Michael. And it stayed there for a long time. And, uh, you know, until, until Derek Rose kind of hit his prime there for a couple of years. Yeah, it was very much. Um, yeah, you know, it was very much still. You know, the, they were still living in the Jordan era.
0: I guess as far as the interim, I, I, I should mention Scott Skiles. I don't know if the second time he said, uh, "Well, here we go again," because you're an interim after him at both instances, right? In Chicago mm-hmm. and Milwaukee. Yes.
1: Yes. 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 What was you... Scott was a Scott was a, go ahead. Scott was a great great coach. He was like a re, you know Scott was really really good and. We got a lot out of those teams in Chicago. We had a young team, man. we got a lot of that. was a, an amazing uh, run we had in Chicago. Um, but sometimes, you know, the time runs out. You know, you, you, you know, it, it, it's a long season. It's very difficult. You got young guys. Uh, you know, there's a lot of distractions with the young guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just, you know, Scott just kind of, you know, ran, ran out his, his time, which was about uh, five years or so. And, uh, same thing happened in Milwaukee, you know, he's there and, you know, we had some, we had some success and not, not, not great success, but we, you know, playoff team and, you know, guys were getting better, but sometimes the clock just runs out and, uh, you know, guys, uh, you know, they don't, they don't quite listen as much and, you know, things kind of turn a little bit sour and, uh, I've seen it happen many, many times, not only, teams I'm with, but also teams that I observe, uh, from the outside. So, uh, you know, that's what happened. Scott was an amazing coach. I mean, he was an amazing coach. And, uh, what yeah, makes so you was, say that amazing is a, a
0: very strong word.
1: Yeah. He's, uh, he, in the heat of the moment, uh, when the game is on the line, I've been around, I've been an assistant coach for a long time. So I've seen a lot of head coaches at work and, uh, in the heat of the moment, when the game is on the line, what can you do to help your team win? And he could do it. He could calm. The, he could calm the timeout. He could gather the players around. He could tell them what to do. He could give them uh, a, a set to run. He could get the right guy the ball at the in the right place at the right time. Um, and I watched him do it over and over and over again. And there's not a lot of guys that can do that. All
0: right, talking with Jim Bond now. Did he, uh, he? He couldn't have been as good a coach as he was a high school basketball player. Did he tell you that he's the original Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosiers? He I, is. Uh, yeah, I know
1: that. I know yeah, that whole story. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, yeah, but like he—he he
0: was at Plymouth. There were he had four homers and him, and they won the state championship. I think they beat mm-hmm. Sean Kemp's team in the process. Yeah. And Mike Dean, who went on to be the head coach at Marquette, was then an assistant at Michigan State, and he went and he says, "This I've never seen anything like it. I, I mean, he's, yeah. he's incapable of explaining just how incredible Sean, I mean, uh,
1: Scott Skiles was uh, in that, when, state that when, tournament. You know, when I was oh, I, I was with Scott for geez, I think ten, ten, twelve years. Um, know him very well." He talked a little bit about that and and so but over the course of those 10, 12 years, I would get a lot of info from of bits and pieces from him and then bits and pieces from other people. Um, I do believe I do believe at the end of the uh, movie Cruisers, when the credits are rolling, behind the credits, they're showing a high school basketball game. And I do believe, that that is the game that Scott played in for the state championship. Wow, might be true. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I'm about 90 percent sure on that. Well, most, so, pe- most uh, people yeah. don't so even I, know yeah. they he I, is the original. Uh, yes, Jimmy Chipwood. Yeah. His name was, was yeah, just
0: incredible. All right, so he has now. What was the connection there from Michigan State, or did he know you? Or you, um, you? He said he had left as a player. How did the two of you get hooked up?
1: Well, um, so he graduated uh, in May. I came in in June, and uh, I've just been a, you know, we would just been, you know, we kind of knew each other a little bit because of the program. And then um, uh, I was in Vancouver as an assistant, and I called. Scott was in Phoenix and just gotten a the job. He took Danny Ainge's place. I think Danny stepped down uh a month or two into the season. And, um, my season was kind of winding down in Vancouver. So now we're talking about March or so. And Phoenix is going to be a playoff team. And I just sent out a, uh, you know, just sent a call to Scott, got his numbers, called him, and said, Hey, man, I'm, I'm not sure what you're going to be doing next year, but if you're interested, I'm interested. Um, and he, he got right back to me. He said, Let's, you know, let's talk later on. And, uh, Judd Heathcote, you know, picked up the phone and said, "Hey, why don't you, you know, talk to Jim and Tom Izzo." And, and uh, so that's just basically how you know, it's just you know, one of those things. Uh, uh, definitely a Michigan State connection, and uh, then we met each other, and we just um, you know, we just hit it off. We got along uh, really, really well, and uh, our wives got along really well, and so it was just uh, it was just a great match.
0: The rest is history. Now we we take a break. And then part three, Jim Boylan from being NCAA champion and now interim coach to uh, Jim Boylan with LeBron James and Giannis. Next. 94.5 ESPN, Homer with Jim Boylan. I said he's the fourth cup of basketball. We've covered all some of the stuff with Scott Skazin. And now we get to um, LeBron James or Giannis, I guess, uh, after... Milwaukee. Then you go to Cleveland, and LeBron is back in Cleveland. I, I, I. All, I'm not sure I have all the years right. I know I'm
1: pretty close. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. Um, I, yeah, I left Milwaukee, and uh, Mike Brown hired me in Cleveland, and uh, you know we're we're, we're there, and uh, we finished the first season. We've got Kyrie Irving, Tristan Thompson. We're not very good. Uh, at the end of the season, Mike gets let go. Um, David Griffin is uh, the uh, uh, general manager, and David Griffin and I work together um, in Phoenix. So uh, David was like, you know, just hang hang, hang, Jim. I don't know what we're going to do right now. Um, so they end up howling um, David Blatt. And we're in summer league, and we're getting ready for a game in Vegas for Summerland and suddenly there's a buzz going on in the uh, in the we're having a a morning shoot around and suddenly the media is showing up and there's a big buzz and you know going on and and suddenly they say LeBron just said he's coming back to Cleveland and everybody's like oh okay (laughs) so that changes everything and uh, so obviously LeBron comes back to Cleveland David Glad is the coach David wants me to stay on um and, uh, yeah, again, because uh, David and I have a mutual friend, uh, and I helped David feel comfortable a little bit. Or, you know, when he first was going after the job in the NBA, then he got the job in the NBA. He didn't really know anyone. He didn't have anyone. And, uh, you know, so it's just uh, my presence just happened to work out for him at the time. And, uh, yeah, so LeBron comes back, and uh, and off we go to um, – uh two four consecutive uh, NBA finals and uh David uh, didn't make it all the way through but um <laughs> that's, nice that's, way the way, that's the way that's the way life is in the NBA. All
0: right, now I could get fired because he was like you've talked to Jim Boyle this long and you haven't asked him about LeBron James. I don't know what you knew of him. Um and then he's there. So anything you say about LeBron James, people are gonna love it. So what do you want? What's the first thing you would say if someone said so you you were uh, with LeBron? What what's what's at the top? The,
1: the guy the guy is always on. I'll just say I use that word on. I'll give you an example. When he first came to Cleveland, and I was just you know I was an assistant and. Uh, so I see him in the lock in the in the weight room, um, and this is the first time that I actually, you know, get to see him. And I so I walked up to him and I said, uh, uh, I said, "Hey, hey, LeBron, uh, my name's Jim Bo- Jim Boyle. And I barely got my last name out. He goes, "Coach, you don't have to introduce yourself to me because I know who you are." He goes, "We played against you guys last year in the playoffs." You guys gave us all, all we can handle. Did a hell of a job. I really appreciate that. And you know, but that's that's just the way. That's just one thing about him. He remembers everything. He remembers every play. He remembers every situation. He can repeat those things. He can analyze those things. Uh, he's the hardest worker on your team. He's the most dedicated, and he puts in so much time into his craft not only uh physically but mentally and emotionally and um you know i've had the opportunity to watch michael jordan up close i've i didn't never coach michael uh, but i did have the opportunity to coach lebron and uh i mean you, you want to talk about a role model um now he's not perfect. There's no one who's perfect, but that guy's been in the spotlight since he's 14 years old. And the things that he's accomplished and the things that he has done are just above and beyond what any of us could expect someone like that in his, in his situation to be able to handle the pressure on a daily basis and to live like that. It's, I mean, the guy—the guy just amazed me, and he's funny, and he's thoughtful, and uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about the guy because he is uh, one of my favorite people.
0: Wow! Aside from his incredible ability, his approach to the game that you talked about—is there anybody else that he reminded you of, college or pro? And again. I'm not asking that they be really good, mm-hmm. but just all
1: those other things that stood out to you. I think he's unique. I, I, I really do. I think there's people who have levels of his, um, you know, and again, I don't know Kobe, but I see, you know, from a distance, uh, you know, I don't, I see from a distance, uh, you know, the things that Kobe has done. Uh, I've heard about the things that he has done, Um I see the influence that he has had on lots of people. So I would imagine that um, being around someone like him, like Kobe, uh, would be similar to being around someone uh, like LeBron. And um, so I I, I would guess that that would probably be the closest uh, comparison. And to see what he's doing right now, I mean, the guy's, you know, 38 years old and, you know, scoring 40 points and you know, back-to-back. And but it doesn't surprise you at amazing. all, I'm sure.
0: I bet you're not even the slightest no. bit surprised.
1: Not at all. Not not at all because um, the guy's like a, you know, he's like almost like a superhero freak kind of thing. You know, like he, he twists his ankle and you're like, if I, I know uh, 20 other guys who twisted their ankle just like he did be out three weeks. He's back in two days. you know, And then, you know, just do that over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, just absolutely amazing and such a, for me personally, such a blessing to be around someone like that.
0: Talking with Jim Boylan, uh, he came out in the draft the same year as Dwayne Wade, and I was telling everybody how good Dwayne Wade was. And I talked mm-hmm. to somebody in the league, and I said, he, LeBron can't be this good. I said, I, I don't care how good he is. The, 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 I've never followed and heard people talk about it. He turned to me and said, Homer, he's Mozart. Yeah. And and I think that was, I'm no musical expert, but you're kind of saying the same thing. It wasn't, no, yeah. no, no, no. This isn't about how high he jumps what he does. This is about all that other stuff and mm-hmm. like a savant at, at that yeah. young age, and it sounds like you're saying pretty much the same.
1: I'll tell you another a little another little side story was um, I was in Phoenix, and you remember Gary Brokaw, sure for the Bucks, yeah, mm-hmm. back in the day. Couldn't get into Marquette, um, so I went to Notre Dame. <laughs> Great guy. Uh, he was a scout for the for the uh, for the Suns and Jerry Colangelo and and. Uh, when LeBron was, I think, 14 years old, and Gary went to see him play, he came back. And he said, "He said if that guy put on an NBA uniform tomorrow, he said he'd average 18 points a game in this league." He was 14 years old. That's what he said. He said tomorrow he would average 18. 18- he'd average 18 points a game. And I was like, really? I was like, wow, okay keep my eye on this guy. You
0: know? <laughs> All right, you're with him in Cleveland. And, again, it's, I think, the greatest thing he's accomplished. I think that uh, to go back home and win a title, uh, I don't care how many mm-hmm. other rings you have. He'll never, he'll never have a ring as big as that one. And then yeah. you're down three games to one. You're playing a team that won 73 games. But I know that everybody there, and you had to be included, like, I don't care. When you got LeBron... We got a chance. Nothing. There's nothing right. that could occur that would surprise me, even given the situation. Is that is mm-hmm. that pretty close to accurate?
1: That that's absolutely accurate, man. We 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 got. You know, we're down three to one, um, and uh, you know, we we find a way to win Game Five, um, and then we go home and we win Game Six, and we're all like, okay, we're going back to Golden State. And they've won 70, you know, seventy two, games. They got this guy and that guy and this guy. And, you know, they're on fire, this and that. But we have the best player in the world on our team. And so it's one game. Okay. Okay. I'll take that. And that guy made the greatest basketball play I have ever seen in my life when he blocked when he blocked the layup, um, I had a perfect view of that sitting on the bench, and uh, that play developed. And Jr. Smith, uh, I think it was, I think it was, um, uh, who was making the layup? Uh, I can't think of his uh, name right uh, yeah, now. Yeah, see, see, Andre. Uh, yeah, Andre Iguodala. Correct. Andre Iguodala. And and Jr. Smith made him just. Had to change direction just slightly, which gave LeBron the the opportunity to get there on time. And then I'll tell you one other thing: a lot of people always badmouth the referees. The referee on that call was a guy named Mike Callahan, and Mike Callahan was sprinting down the sideline to keep up with that play. And he did the 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 right thing when you're an official and you're and you're in a in a situation like that and you're on the move the best thing to do is to stop and that's what mike callahan did he sprinted down the sideline he got to about the three-point line and he came to a complete stop and just watched the play and lebron pinned that ball against the backboard and you know because some 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 referees might have called goaltending and it was not a goaltend. and uh mike callahan Did the right thing and uh, let that play go. And then Kyrie hits the three and Kevin Love gets the stop against uh, Steph Curry. There you go. So, yeah, it was unbelievable.
0: And I only have one question, and that is, so when it happens, do you say, "Ah, nothing you ever did surprised me? Or did you think, even for LeBron, even LeBron, I'm still amazed what he did. Which was it?
1: I, I I said even even the the latter. Even even LeBron, I'm still amazed. It was the greatest basketball play I had ever seen in my life. And the greatest part about it was that it wasn't an offensive play. That it wasn't uh, some spectacular dunk or uh, a putback or a you know step back three or you know a half court shot or anything like that. It's a defensive play. The greatest play I've ever seen. All
0: right, it would be also just mean to not ask your thoughts on Marquette and the season they're having this year. I don't know how much time you have. You're kind of retired, but I, I don't think you'll ever be retired. I don't know what you're doing, but there's no way you're just passing time.
1: I I I, uh, I am a fan. I think Shaka is doing an amazing job. I love the team um i watch as many games as i can uh, as i can and i just love the fight man i just love the fight in the team i love the size i love the athleticism i love the agility i love the ability to uh switch on to different guys and i, I and i and you know when there's a mismatch in the post they react they come and trap they rotate uh they move um you know I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch them play, and I think that um, you know anything can happen, man. And they're 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 a quality quality team, and the the best part of it is they've gotten better. I mean, from from the beginning of the season, they they've made progress. You watch them play; they they're more confident. Their, their their guys are stepping up. It's not the same guy every night. Although you have certain guys who are giving you, you know, consistency in, in play, but you also have other guys coming to the forefront and and uh, and showing what they can do. Man, I'm 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 excited for them, and I'm excited for the program, excited for the school, the students. It's just it's just a beautiful thing to watch.
0: And I'm I'm right. You're not retired. Like you you're doing something. What are you doing? But you you you're,
1: you're filling time. I take care of my grandkids. Well oh. I do. I'm an old man now. Well, no, there's nothing an <laughs> old man. That's what people do now. That's what
0: that's the best thing you can do for your children is to help with their kids, right? I yes. mean, that's the reality yes. of the world we live in. Yes. Nobody's complaining, but yeah, it's uh, you're you're coaching yes. again. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Well, exactly right. It's exactly a treat. Right.
0: I'm. I'm. Uh, I always wanted to find out the reality of Assumption College in Worcester, Mass. Because no one's ever pronounced it right. That didn't live there.
1: Correct. Yeah, yep.
0: Worcester. You give. You
1: got to get the New England accent. Yeah, I don't. I haven't Worcester. done
0: that. I just thought it was the weirdest yeah. pronunciation for a town ever. <laughs> we will talk again, and uh, uh, you got some lucky grandkids. And uh, thanks for the time and. Uh, uh, yes, you are the Forrest Gump. I, I didn't even bring up other players. I know I could bring up others, and you'd have comments about them as well. Uh, I didn't know. Well, wait. So what was Giannis' connection? You you left and he was
1: drafted, or was there any? In- yeah, I, I was already gone when uh, when, when uh, John Hammond selected Giannis. I was already gone. I think I, I think maybe that was the year I left. I'm I not think it quite was. Sure. I, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Obviously, a good pick. <laughs> turned uh, yeah. out, he's turned out to be a pretty good player, um, to say the least. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I you know, I, I wish I could have been around to uh, enjoy working with him. I just love his. I just love who he is, man. I just love who he is. I just love the guy. I love the things he says. Um, I remember something about in his first year, he was running someone had someone picked him up on this because he' was running he's late for the game I just I just love the guy man I just love the the he's, he's got this humbleness about him uh, and this way of just handling himself uh, that is just a you know breath of fresh air and uh, it's just it's just wonderful to see and man is Milwaukee lucky to have that guy and uh, and and that guy's lucky to have Milwaukee. So the great the great marriage. Alright, till the next yeah. time
0: we talk. I'll find something other new All right, about man. you. Alright, thanks, Jim. Alright, brother. Jim All right, Boylan, 945 yeah. ESPN. Something's next, not as good. I don't have to do nothing but stay black and die. White people! I
1: will bet anybody. I can't do it. We'll do it live! Do it live!
0: I'll write it and we'll do it live! Thing sucks!